that. Take 17, finally, Billy. Oh, my God. I'm so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Alex, nice microphone. Billy (laughs) Stanley Kubrick Schultz. (laughs) It's it's the best way to get the most authentic performance out of you. Just really beat Mm, you down mentally, get you worn out. (laughs) Hold this mic and fall up up the stairs backwards. (laughs) Backwards 62 times. All right. An evening recording. This is going to be fun. Welcome to Nothing to Fear, a weekly horror movie podcast. On the show every week, we watch a different horror and talk all about it. My name is Billy Schultz, and I'm joined each and every week by my two friends, Alex Wan and Luke Mason. And we're here to talk about a pick for January's birthday month movies today, but we'll get into that in a few minutes. First, I want to check in with my friends. Alex, how are you doing? Hi, um, this is a week before, and I'm doing well. Doing well. <laughs> doing well. I, I, I'm, I'm always here to just break the immersion of pretending <laughs> like I'm recording this when it comes out. This no. is a live podcast for everyone. <laughs> that would be radio. Mm. That would be radio, and anyone who's on radio, boo, boring. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, Luke, I didn't see you there. <laughs> yep, that would yeah, be... Okay. Hello, we're radio too. <laughs> You're good, Alex. You're back at work. Yeah. Everything's good. Yeah, it's whatever. It's whatever. I mean, you gotta work so you get money. You gotta get money so you can feed yourself so you don't die. Yeah. Circle of life. <laughs> don't like living, but I hate dying more, you know. Yeah. That's sure. That's fair. That's fair. Well it's good. I to feel like you. that's a, a very fun little twist on uh fifty cent. On what? 50 get cent. rich or die trying. It's like yeah. Don't like living, but I don't like dying more. So get rich, I guess. Do you want me to embroider that for you on a, like throw a pillow, Alex, so you can have it for your house? No. Don't like living, the... but I hate dying more. Billy, there's no point. There's no point. Ah, uh, he's an island. You're doing okay, buddy. Yeah, we're good. All right. Well, I'm checking in with you. I hope, hope you're all right. But I've also got Luke Mason on the horn here. How are you doing, Luke? I'm great. I'm really excited today to talk about... The House of the Devil. The House of the Devil. Yes, that's the movie we're talking about today, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Thanks How for asking. Yeah, it's Alex's birthday pick. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, actually, if I remember correctly, you weren't that excited to talk about it. But that's just uh, that's How do you remember that, Alex? You know, we haven't talked about I... the movie yet. Oh, Crystal Ball. Uh, good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Awesome. Well, I am very excited to get into the episode, but I also am excited to get into a couple pieces of movie news before we start the day. And the first one I put in the video links, which was a poster reveal for M. Night Shyamalan's new movie, Knock at the Cabin. And I want to know if either of you knew anything about this one so far. Uh, Luke, have you, is this a new information for you? New information for me. New information. What about you, Alex? New information? No. Um, I know of the book or the, yeah, the book that, the movie's based on so oh i didn't know not that. really new um i like the cast choice batista is mm-hmm. always a, a fun mm-hmm. time and you can 
very clearly tell which one he is in the poster. <laughs> the poster. He's the biggest man in the entire universe on this poster. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's so big. And I couldn't help no. but notice just how wrinkly his head is, especially in Glass Onion, which I which I watched. <laughs> and he's just like he's just got Now Billy, I think that's head. a little insensitive. You know, you know he was hitting a la- the, the head with a ladder by Big Show, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how could I forget the ladder hit of whatever year that was? <laughs> I guess you forgot it. <laughs> I guess I forgot. Maybe I got hit in the head with the ladder. I think, though, Dave Bautista's had, like, him and John Cena are having a really great post-wrestling movie career, even more mm-hmm. than The Rock. Like, The Rock, I felt, blazed the Well, trail. The Rock The Rock is just a shitty actor. He's just a shitty actor. Like, he's there <laughs> yeah. for, he's really there for the spectacle. But, like, mm-hmm. I, I actually find John Cena and Bautista to be, like, they're, they're actually good at acting. They don't just mm-hmm. quip. You know, Rock the yeah. Rock. He just quips. Yeah, and and, yeah. But you know, they're they're actually quality actors, and I've enjoyed the roles that I've seen them in. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that John Cena has such comedic legs as he does. Like he's very funny as mm-hmm. an actor, and good for him. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Knock at the Cabin, Luke. This is a the new M Night Shyamalan movie, mm-hmm. which has. The the trailer basically to to sum it up for you has like a family going out to a cabin at the week uh, at a weekend a remote cabin in the woods they're out there with their little daughter and then these strangers come to the cabin and they they knock at the cabin and they say hey you have to what, what is it like one of you has to die to prevent the end of the world and it's like a weird sort of psycho is are these people like harbingers wow. of like an apocalypse are they crazy people are they whatever m night shyamalan is involved so you know a twist is probably forthcoming but uh yeah i, I bet you the twist okay let's predict the twist my bet is the twist is that actually the people in the house were the ones knocking on the cabin and the ones knocking oh. on the cabin were the ones in the house metaphorically oh. <laughs> right the people who showed up to do the hey at the end of the world is coming are actually the pawns and the people who are erstwhile the pawns are actually the masterminds. Oh. I think the twist will be the aliens are allergic to water. Again. Mm. Double twist. We would definitely never see that coming. <laughs> Twice. Yeah, no. No. Or maybe the cabin makes you old. Like maybe M. Night Shyamalan is just going to use his like old twists. Greatest hits. A second time. Yeah. Greatest hits. And the twist of that will be it will be the worst twists. <laughs> worst hits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that you you like Shyamalan movies. You're, you're interested in the way he's done. I haven't seen a lot of his recent ones. I didn't see Old or The Beach That Makes You Old or whatever that one was because it was kind of panned largely. But I did see that this was going to be his first R-rated film since The Happening, which is maybe not <laughs> stellar company to be involved with, but... <laughs> oh, I'm definitely going to watch it now. <laughs> a little bloody, a little more gory, and a little more psychological. Like, I think it's pretty cool. You should cool. check out the trailer, though. I will definitely keep uh, in the show notes for people to check out. And, uh, yeah. To me, Shyamalan is like Green Day. The hits are really good, and everything else is really not good. right there's like no middle green day songs they're either awesome or they suck oh yeah very good very good so have you read this book alex or where did you know this book from just read about it so i didn't like read a synopsis but i kind of know what happens so i don't want to guess the Mm. twist if there is a twist maybe the twist is that there's no twist 
Whoa. Who's to say? Whoa. That would book. be... I definitely would not see that one coming. <laughs> He's made movies where there's no twist, though, right? Which Has one? He? Avatar The Last Airbender. Okay, oh, yeah. but that's a... That's a... <laughs> like, it, there was no surprise that it was going to be a bad movie. Yeah. That was no, there was no twist there. Right? That's true. The twist was people liked the anime and then thought, what the hell have you done? <laughs> yeah. That's also, like, I think the most famous adaptation he's done yeah and i think most of his films have been written and directed by so Mm -hmm. so there we go knock at the cabin all right but i mean maybe since this one's an adaptation there won't be a twist maybe there won't be a twist or like whatever the twist is in a book the the twist is that he changes the ending (laughs) wow hang on i gotta stop my cat he's like licking something in the sink that's very loud and you can definitely hear it on the mic so uh talk amongst yourselves <laughs> when uh when did the book come out? Uh I don't know. Hmm. I feel like recent. Okay. Who's the cast? Uh you know what? Why don't we look it up right now? Oh, oh my Billy's gosh. Back. Billy's back. Hey Billy, you're yeah. back. I guess I'll just hey. stop what I'm doing. Keep doing keep doing what you're doing. Don't don't let me interrupt you. Okay, I'll look it up. Oh goddamn! R- R- Rupert Grint's in this movie. You too. What are we talking about? Oh, this is uh, Knock at the Cabin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Rupert Grint is that's that's right. And Jonathan Groff is one of the parents, and the other guy I don't remember. It's got a mm. pretty good looking cast. Nice. All right. Okay. The second story I have is one that I read and uh, I got annoyed at because it like very very clearly I got lured in by clickbait, mm. and uh, it's. It's called uh, The Conjuring 4, maybe the end of the franchise. That's the, the title that drew me in. And so I was like, oh, man, the end of the maybe franchise. Maybe or definite. Four moons since. Uh, no, that's, that, that should have been the clue. Maybe the end of the franchise. <laughs> Probably not the end of the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> because this article, which is from JoeBlow.com, the mm. horror movie <laughs> website, sure. or just a movie website, and it says... So I'll I'll sum up. A couple of months ago, it was announced announced that The Conjuring 4 is in works at New Line Cinema with James Wan and Peter Safran producing. uh, Wan hinted that Conjuring 4 could turn out to be the end of the franchise. Uh, Wan told Collider, we are working on Conjuring 4 right now. With Conjuring films, we are very precious about them. And so we kind of just want to take our time and make sure we get them right and make sure the emotion of the Warren stories that we want to tell and moving into and potentially wrapping up. We just want to make sure it's the right thing and the right story that we're telling. So... That is word for word. I didn't mangle that. I usually mangle things. When asked to confirm if this was going to be the last sequel, one replied, "You never know. You never know. We'll see." So, <laughs> I should have I should have not fallen for it. <laughs> it was essentially maybe, but not really. And so, well done, clickbait. You got me. You reeled me in. Uh, where do you, where do you find all these articles? Do you just Google horror news every week? I I have a a horror movie alert that I get. Uh, every once in a while it's a lot of like top 10 lists that i ignore a lot of emails i just delete without reading them but every couple days before the podcast recording sessions i like look around to see what's been announced and pickings are kind of slim <laughs> pickings are kind of slim mm. today there was a, a trailer release for the the new evil dead rise movie which i didn't pick because i know that we don't we especially don't really care about the evil dead franchise <laughs> so yeah, I just kind of like look around and see what IGN has or what like there's is a IGN of... still a thing. IGN is oh absolutely is still a thing. 
Yeah. A lot of game reviews I read thinking they're horror movie reviews until it's like, oh, video game. Never mind. <laughs> hell with this. <laughs> so that's it. Conjuring 4 may or may not be the end of the franchise. I guess we'll see what the box office has to say. Okie doke. <laughs> and that'll be that. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we should talk about Alex's movie. So I picked 2009's The House of the Devil, directed by Ty West. So what did I know about this movie? I knew that... It was a very, very slow movie. Like, I knew that going into it. So, <laughs> okay. And then I knew it was like a lot of people liked it because it was a, like a th- throwback to like 80s horror slasher cult movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I, I know most of the like divided kind of criticism comes from the pacing of this movie. But I'm, I'm one for I don't like as if, if it's a good movie. And we get there, then I'll I'll probably enjoy it. So that's why I picked this one. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. You'll allow it. Yeah, and then like like I said last time, last week I think I like I've just had this the Wikipedia tab just open on my desktop for like <laughs> literally a year because like I've You're wanted right. to watch it, but it just hasn't come up in any of our themes very organically. So I decided to pick House of the Devil for it's my birthday. I'll watch whatever I want with month. Hell yeah, hell yeah, and yeah, we're lo- we're glad to get you to close a tab on your browser. That's that's always a good feeling. No, it's still open right now. It's still open. Well, by the end of this episode, you can you can close that one confidently. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, you mentioned that it's Ty West, and we have just recently done X. So we haven't we didn't do X. We watched the movie titled X. <laughs> but you know, I was interested in that movie, and so wanted to take a look. At his earlier work, and I didn't know anything about it uh, except for when we started watching the movie. I had flashbacks of listening to one of the one of the podcasts I listened to did a recap of this movie from start to finish, and I had to check the feed to be like, did they talk about this on their show? And they did, and I remembered not one single part of the plot. So it was mm-hmm. like watching a completely new movie, even though I was like, I know I've had this plot explained to me. I still didn't know what to expect or what was happening. But did you have any experience around this one, Luke? Before we watch no, it. No, I'd never even heard of it before, so mm-hmm. it was a cool. it was a it was a tabula rasa for me. A tabula rasa. Mm-hmm. I said, let's stop doing twenty twenty two movies and go back mm-hmm. a decade. That's right. It's always good to have a little break. Well, then let's go into it. Let's talk about this movie. We'll go into the trailer section. There'll be spoilers for it as usual. Check out doesthedogdie.com for any trigger warnings. But from my Glancing of that website, there is the following. Satanism. A lot of blood. Stabbing. Eye gouging. There's some hair in the bathtub. Very gross. <laughs> Alex's least favorite part. Stuff around pregnancy. Gunshots. Head wounds. Restraining. Dead children. Kidnapping. Hospitals. Needles. Suicidal ideation and attempts. And throat slashing. It's a bloody one, folks. So go in so armed as we... Head to the trailer. I can tell you like it. I love it. It's perfect. About the deposit, I'll agree to waive all the deposit stuff. You just give me the first month's down, we'll call it a day, all right? It's hard coming up with all that money, isn't it? Uh, it's gonna work out. You're not the one with $84 in a bank account and a check to write on Monday. You know what you should do. Hi. I'm calling in regards to the babysitter flyer posted outside my dorm. Tonight's big eclipse is now well underway. I feel a little weird just dropping you out here in the middle of wherever we are. 
forgive me, Samantha, because I've not been completely honest. We're from the desert, you know. You see, we we actually don't have a child. They lied to you. I know. Okay, I know you're right. But it's four hundred dollars. This equals first month's rent and then some, and all I have to do is sit inside and watch TV. This is huge. This one night changes everything for me. Okay, Mr. Wan. Right. Uh, the House of the Devil is a 2009 American horror film written, directed, and edited by Ty West, starring Jocelyn Donahue, Tom Noonan, Mary Runov, Greta Gerwig, A.J. Bowen, and D. Wallace. The plot concerns a young college student who is hired as a babysitter at an isolated house and is soon caught up in a bizarre and dangerous events, in, in bizarre and dangerous events, as she fights for her life. And there we go. Yeah, so this movie was made for $900,000, and it says it cleared $100,000 at the box office. So not great. I don't know. Maybe that's just the U.S. box office. So 85% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 6.3 on IMDb. Yeah, Alex, what did you think about The House of the Devil? I think I knew going into it that it was so slow-paced that I might have been like going in so armed I was able to just kind of ignore that part of it, which is kind of huge. You know, if I didn't know that it was going to be slow paced, I probably would have been pretty annoyed Mm -hmm. at this movie. But then besides the slowness of it, um, I think this this movie kind of has me a little bit got some mixed feelings because it has like pretty much everything I dislike about the 80s horror movies (laughs) that we that we've done, you know, but for some reason, like knowing that it wasn't filmed in the 80s and it was done on purpose and it was like really stylized and kind of artsy because mm-hmm. you like an artsy film i like an artsy you know. film and like there's some 80s stuff that i really like like i loved all the music in this movie when she's just dancing around the house like that was <laughs> such a fun scene for me i like shit like that mm-hmm. and then yeah but and then the yeah it was like <laughs> it's hard to say i like this movie but i can't say i didn't like it Sure. It was a very simple plot, but it like the last like but like when it actually ramps up, it ramps up. I'm just like, what what's going on? There's so much happening right now. Yeah, so I think I liked it. I'm not sure yet though. Yeah, I did not know that this movie was so slowly paced and my Discord name is uh it says Zero to Satan real quick, uh, because it does change. It really, really abruptly changes about two thirds of the way through this movie. But I was trying to come up with an analogy to describe my experience watching it. And it was kind of, I don't know, it kind of felt like you're going on a roller coaster and there's one loop at the, towards the start. And then it's just like a lazy river raft ride for the rest of it until it drops you off a waterfall. Because this movie, when it does get into the satanic panic of it all and the, the ritual of it all, just really jumps up hard, goes fast for like 10 minutes, and then it's over. And I was waiting to be more scared throughout. Like, I thought, so the the basic premise of her, like, this college kid who's babysitting, or she comes to a house on the premise of babysitting for a lot, like an extraordinary amount of money, and turns out there's no babysitter, that there's no baby to babysit. I was like, is this going to be another Brahm situation? But no, it was like, whatever we can talk about the plot later but anyway as this person is in this house she thinks is empty 
I thought we were going to have a lot more scenes of like the stranger stuff where we would see stuff behind her and have the tension really build. But instead, it was just like a shot of an empty hallway and then somebody moves and you're like, oh, who's that? Oh, it's her again. Oh, she's getting pizza or she's watching TV or she's closing the curtains. And I felt that it was was kind of uneven to have it like just jump up so fast to the part of this eclipse where they're doing a mystery Satan ritual for her so not to not to come out swinging too negatively because i loved how it looked it looked like it could have been made in 1980 just down to the film grain and down to the like the nitty-gritty details having the credits at the start instead of at the end all very aesthetic i thought that was really cool but yeah it was weirdly slow until it wasn't so what about you luke what'd you think i think it started really strong first 20 minutes i was intrigued but I think it lost its mojo. I would say there was a there was a, a significant, noticeably loss of mojo of this film from the setup, which was, you know, I mean, sure, Sam, the main character, decided the only way this movie works is to is for her to decide to ignore approximately five hundred red flags, <laughs> but yeah. she successfully ignored all of them, so the movie <laughs> happened. She did it. I really liked. The guy who played Mr. Ullman, I thought the m- biggest mistake the movie made was to not have him in the movie more. Yeah. Actually, both the, b- the both the couple were really good as this something's off, obviously, about these people. But they are. But the acting was really like I really liked. He was just so tall and imposing and skinny. Like he just had this weird look to him that mm-hmm. made me be like oh man what's 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 going on here although of course the title of the movie kind of gives it all away (laughs) so it's not really a guess of what's going on you know wait a minute satan's in this movie oh no yeah but then it just kind of like some of the shots were cool but but before like the the end of the film where all of the action happens again this was one of those movies where i found myself looking at my phone more than the movie just kind of happened that way and then the actual like and with the creepy satan lady and the ritual i mean it's just oh yeah okay i guess that's it makes sense how this movie has to end (laughs) you know and then i guess despite her best efforts sam is still alive at the end with the antichrist Mm -hmm. devil baby in her tummy which is why i have woodland critter christmas because the Woodland Critters are all Satanists, and they are waiting for the birth of the Antichrist. So, all right, all right. So they're and ready. Being that this is Christmas time, as we're recording, <laughs> uh, I just feel it's seasonally appropriate. Uh, yeah, like I don't, I don't want to shit on this movie, but I also think it's kind of boring. Mm. Mm-hmm. I would say and one of the things I read about it before I watched it was the the cast, right? Like you have Greta Gerwig before she's like made it big. I think this was even before she did Lady Bird. I don't remember when that was, but I think that was mm-hmm. her big one. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. And then it said, like, we've got Dee Wallace, who's like a big name in horror films. And this um, this Mary Uranov or Wiranov mm. uh, woman also was in horror movies. So there's like, I guess, tagline was talking about these character actors who are big in 70s and 80s horror being in this movie. And then Dee Wallace is the real estate agent at the start and she's gone like at all so Mm -hmm. it's like oh that's that's our that's our horror icon and she's like just there to set up (laughs) 
set up the set up the the need that Sam has for getting money, right? So she's a catalyst for why Sam needs money. She wants to move out of her apartment. She sees a babysitter job. She calls the number. The creepiest man in the world answers the phone, and she's like, "So far, so good." And then he's like, "I'll pay you so much money to babysit my kid. Four hundred dollars a night, nineteen eighty. She's like, "How can I?" I know this money was wrapped in a red flag, but I'll just get rid of that and I'll be fine. <laughs> and yeah, Tim Noonan was was great. He was so creepy and so soft-spoken and so just like quietly menacing that when he wasn't in the movie, I was like, oh, this bitch is going to definitely be sneaking around in the background and like checking her out and stuff. But no, he like actually goes off. He commits to the bit. And then, like you said, Luke, you're checking the phone. I was definitely not paying attention to the point where when it's all going off and he's in the cemetery and he pulls the dagger out i was like when did he get stabbed because we totally miss it we had to go back and rewind it and like rewatch <laughs> the whole like her escaping from the ceremony because we just had stopped paying attention we're like mm-hmm. wait why what's what's happening now who's why is he only got one eye why is he stabbed what the fuck like we missed mm-hmm. all of the climactic part because it was so slow <laughs> Yeah, which is, I don't know, like, I guess, you know, we watched X by Ty West and he's definitely got some some pedigrees, written some stuff now. He's got a trilogy on the way with with, you know, Pearl and then Maxine later on. But yeah, this one felt like, I don't know, a weird first attempt or a weird first try or something. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. all there. I could see like the DNA. You know, we've talked about seeing the early films of horror icons. We've, you know. It, this made me think of stuff that we saw in X, but just yeah, kind of missed, kind of missed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, but let's talk about uh, let's talk about Sam Jocelyn Donahue's character. How do we like her? Plucky college self, living in a shitty roommate. Did you have shitty roommates in college, Luke? Did you live with people in college? I think I might have been the shitty roommate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, I my first year, my roommate was from China. So we got along fine. It was just there's definitely like cultural differences or even just interest differences. Mm -hmm. I remember coming into my dorm room at like three in the morning after the bar and there was like five guys sitting in the room, this tiny two person room, like playing World of Warcraft all together. (laughs) Right. It's like, oh God, it's the middle of the night, guys. (laughs) (laughs) It's prime rating hours, you know? Yeah. yeah, and then I didn't have a roommate the next two years, and then my fourth year, my roommate was a really good friend, and we were in an apartment style, so no, I, I never had, like, a shit, if there was a shitty roommate, it was probably just me, because <laughs> I'd be loud at some point or something. Uh, well, if you're not sure who the shitty roommate is, it's, uh, yeah. That's right, that's right. <laughs> no, I forget, Alex, when you went to school, did you stay in dorms anywhere, or? No, lived at no, home. Lived at home. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Sam was... So I think a lot of this movie comes down to whether or not you enjoy 80s horror movies. Mm, Okay. Right? This was an 80s horror movie. This was like a love letter to an 80s horror movie. Mm, Absolutely. You know what I mean? So if you don't like the whole kind of final girl thing in 80s horror movies, you're probably not going to like Sam. If you don't like how characters make shitty decisions and bad decisions and ignore red flags, you're not going to like Sam as a character. (laughs) But I think there is like, there was some added modern movie nuance to Sam's character a little bit. 
So in a shitty 80s horror movie, Sam's character would have just been like, I have a babysitting job from someone that I've never met before. I'm going to this house. Mm -hmm. That would have been it. But in this one, there's a little bit more depth to that, right? Like she obviously has a shitty roommate. She doesn't want to live there anymore. And she found this great deal of a house and it's perfect for her. But she needs to come up with money and like the landlord is super nice and like you don't need a security deposit, but I do need like first month's rent by Monday. So, you know, there's already a little bit of new knowledge. She needs to come up with time, like come up with the amount of money by Monday. And it's what, Thursday or something? So Thursday or Friday. Yeah, it's like the weekend. So there is like some some kinds of reasoning behind why she's motivated to take this red flag job. Right. Mm -hmm. She she is in a time crunch to get come up with all this money. And it's like. And and I do like how Greta Gerwig's character would be the running commentary we would we would be having if we watch this together, right? She's the mm-hmm. like she's like the voice of reason in this eighties horror movie that didn't exist back then. So she brought that kind of modern feel to all the mm-hmm. shitty decisions. She's like, Yeah, have you ever thought it is too good to be true? <laughs> right? Like yeah. obviously, right? And so there's a lot of the 80s horror movie stuff that I didn't like in this movie and that I didn't like in Sam's character. But then also there was like a little bit of a a modern sprinkling that made me feel like, okay, like I can get past that this character is making shitty decisions because I know this is a love letter to an 80s horror movie. So it's done purposefully. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because Greta Gerwig's character is one of the people who dies right away. So in the in the film, she's like, she drops her off at the house. She goes to drive to like wait to come back to pick her up because Sam doesn't have a car. And then she's just very quickly like shot in the face by one of these cultists because, of course, it's a satanic panic movie. So she's dispatched with no fanfare. And one of the, I guess, scariest parts of the movie where she, you can tell she her, the, the hair is up on the back of her net and why you wouldn't just like floor it as soon as somebody just like shows up at your window with a lighter for you to light your cigarette on is beyond me but her death primed it to be like really scary and to have the tension keep going but then it just sort of like lets it you know it lets it cool down basically all the way like if you're if this movie was like a pot of water that you're trying to boil for pasta it would be like Greta Gerwig dying was when the water started boiling and you're going to start cooking it but instead they turned the stove off and let the water get cold again and then tried to put the noodles in and it was just like oh okay (laughs) why did you do that (laughs) you should like keep building on this momentum and i think that's where not necessarily the 80s-ness of it and i mean maybe there are other ones i can't remember off the top of my head what they were like back then because i don't think we've watched that many 80s movies yet but yeah, it just felt like that was a signal, you know, forgive the metaphor of a starting pistol, but like when that gun goes off, it feels like that's when it should go. And then it, she just kind of like walks around the house a bit, bit more. So mm-hmm. that I liked it, but it led me to those pacing issues. <laughs> Sam, Sam was very likable. They, the movie wrote it was written in such a way that it was just believable that she would do all this for all of the red flags that came her way for every second. Like it was like, okay. And I, I swallowed it cause it's <laughs> obviously it's, it's the eighties. $400 is a lot a, of fucking money. Well, I actually, mean, $400 is a lot of money right now. Like if I felt the aesthetic was actually kind of seventies too at points mm. especially the filming style there's a lot of like i forget what it's called in 70s cinema but it's like a lot of like long 
far away shots, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So there was a number of those in it. Anyway. This was a shot on film as well. Like, actually. Yeah. I feel like the on-purposeness of it all, though, is a is a double-edged sword because that means, like, the really slow pacing and boringness has to be on purpose, too. Yeah. Which is like, okay, I don't... It's not immediate to me how that made this movie better, mm-hmm. you know, is is what you're explaining, Billy, of, like, that slower pacing, her walking around. I mean, it's cool filming, but it was hard to stay engaged with what Sam was doing mm-hmm. in all of this, just because the movie, I don't know, like, it was only, like, an hour and a half, but it could have been, like, it could have been a host. It could have been an hour. This movie could have been an hour long. <laughs> it would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it felt it felt really a lot longer than its runtime. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that bumped me with the pacing of this movie and the storytelling of this movie, and I know that we've had other movies where we're in the same position, but it didn't bother me as much, or I don't remember it bothering me as much, but we're so much farther ahead than Sam is on what is happening in this house. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, again, the title of the movie kind of gives it away. It's a house of the devil. Obviously, something's up. We've seen Greta Gerwig's character die. So we know that she's dead. But the reveal of the family that owns the house being sacrificed in the bedroom was one that I was like, what? Like, that was just for the audience because mm-hmm. Sam doesn't know that happens. She finds a picture of the family's belongings and realizes that something's up or a picture of the family. And it's not the same family that, you know, she talked to and interacted with. But then like to show this like locked off bedroom with a different pentagram and three dead bodies, including this like child in the middle. was just like, oh, what? We, we didn't need to see that. We know something scary is going on. Like we get it. You don't need to <laughs> show mm-hmm. us again. Also, what kind of Satan ritual requires two sacrifices? getting greedy now satan that's mm-hmm. come on <laughs> well it's i come don't know on, maybe it's something about the eclipse makes you need to have two sacrifices yeah like the first one sets up the eclipse and the thir- second one is during the eclipse mm-hmm. yeah, yeah maybe <laughs> yeah. or maybe because it's like one it's one to get satan there and then you want to get the antichrist into this like vessel so you have to like you know you're not just gonna yeah. invite satan over and expect he's gonna do your bidding <laughs> It's it's unfortunately like a little underwhelming across the board because it's a slow paced explanation of a story we all already know, right? <laughs> like yeah. it's a sat- satanic ritual of bringing the devil into the world. Like it's not a new idea, <laughs> you know. This isn't yeah. a this isn't a groundbreaking piece of horror plot. So what a more superior film would have to do would make how that happens more interesting. And Mm -hmm. it just kind of, it becomes a connect the dots type of feel of a movie. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, okay, she probably is going to find out that this isn't their house. Oh, yeah, she did. Okay, well, they're probably going to drug the pizza because he insisted she order the pizza more than once. And that's obviously (laughs) a red flag, too. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's what they did. So that was smart, too. That's how they got her drugged and able. Okay, well, she's tied up. She's probably going to have to escape this because there's like 15 minutes left in the movie and we need something. It would just be kind of stupid if she just dies right here. Mm-hmm. We need a little bit more action. Oh, yeah. she Okay, she escaped. She Oh, yeah. She's okay. Stabbed that guy. Got got out. <laughs> okay, we're going to need some sort. You know, it's just like, I, I don't know. It just, it didn't. There were no surprises. Yeah. In 
a kind of well-worn genre film. Right. And again, I don't like I didn't hate this movie and I didn't think it was even bad, but it was a little bit under it under tickled me in terms of like my appreciation of this appreciation of this film is all like intellectual. Oh yeah, that was a cool mm-hmm. camera shot. Oh, the yeah. acting's not bad. You know, there was like no emotional resonance. I wasn't like, oh, what a great plot twist, or oh, that's I didn't see that coming, or you know, like oh, that's a funny joke. Even it it, it was it was very like much my dispassionate part of my being appreciated elements of this film, but it just was too predictable. It was just much too predictable and kind of too slow to get to those predictions. You know? Yeah, I think that's the most surprising part is when Greta Gerwig's character dies. Like, mm-hmm. I did not see her getting like shot point blank in the face. Like, that was that was like the biggest twist in this movie where I I'm primed knowing, okay, this girl's in the house all by herself. Something's gonna happen to her. I didn't see the friend getting killed, which was just yeah. like, oh, so I was like, oh, cool, you got me, you got me, movie. Now I'm interested. And then they're like, too bad. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Too bad. That was it. We got our surprise done. Now we can move on to the rest of the storytelling. I even remember thinking, oh, I bet you the guy who fucking shot Megan or Greta Gerwig, I bet you he's the pizza delivery guy. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> there he is. You know? Right. Also, she should have another red flag she ignored. And maybe it's because this is an East Coast thing. But when he picks up the phone and goes like, pizza, pizza, what's your order? Pizza, pizza is a chain out here. I don't know if they have many in uh, mm-hmm. Western Canada, but it is truly awful pizza it's <laughs> <laughs> some of the worst yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it really uh, that, o- that office uh joke where kevin is like is it bad pizza or bad pizza mm-hmm. it's like the was it pizza by, by, by senor yeah i don't know alfredo alfredo's pizza or pizza or by pizza alfredo. by alfredo yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 pizza pizza definitely falls into the uh hot circle of garbage category in my opinion mm-hmm. i know we're leaving pizza pizza sponsorship money on the table but uh you know what i don't care <laughs> although fucking eight bucks for a pizza Ooh, you can boy, see yeah. why people get tempted it was a medium. It was a medium pizza. A medium pizza for eight dollars? Oh my god! Doesn't she just throw? She's like keep the change and throws a hundred dollar bill at him. What the fuck? No, Why she has. It's a. It's a twenty. Okay. Because remember, he he gives her half the money, and then he says, "And some extra money for the pizza." By the way, have you heard about the pizza oh, place? Yeah, you should try yeah, the pizza. Yeah. The number for the pizza place? Oh, I'm glad you asked. It's right here. And he's just like <laughs> really pushing this pizza place. <laughs> Sir, do you oh, own this god. pizza place? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. I also didn't know that answering machines were that early. I thought that was more of a a late 80s, 90s thing. But, you know, Meg's... Is it Meg? Greta Gerwig's character? I can't remember. She's got an answering machine, Mm -hmm. which, like... An answering machine and enough wherewithal to have, like, a fake... You think you're talking to the person, but ah, gotcha. It was just my recording. Like, mm-hmm. so the answer machine has been around for long enough for people to make jokes about their, like, what their outgoing message says. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, I'm at a loss to talk about this movie more because it's really yeah, not I mean, too much. There yeah. isn't much to say. <laughs> There's a satanic cult that was predicted from the very first text over of the beginning of the film and Mm -hmm. there it was and they had one muscle character and he wasn't that muscly and he got bested pretty easily and yahoo he's dead woohoo and then (laughs) they i don't know got a like uh, uh, although okay here's one 
here's one part of this movie I will not forgive. Okay. As soon as Sam killed that guy, well, I don't even know what his name was. He was their son, I guess, maybe, or something like that. Guy with a beard. Yeah. A.J. Bowen, actually. He was in Your Next, and uh, I thought I recognized him. Yeah. Yeah. So, kills him. He's got a gun in his hand. She doesn't grab the gun. She Uh. just runs upstairs. And then, to to make matters worse... Mom runs up the stairs to chase her and also doesn't grab also the doesn't gun. Grab the gun. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, what in the actual fuck are these people? Like, there's, I, I, I was at a loss of words. It's like, you're, in, you, okay, you've just been restrained, tied up, and you know, you've slashed this guy's throat. He has a gun and it's right there and you don't have the wherewithal to pick it up. Yeah. I, th- that was, that's the one unforgivable moment but, of this but film. also the and again i guess this is the if you don't like the way these horror movies go because of course she has to run upstairs like you know instead of running towards where a door to the outside is and more chances to escape you're running upstairs which is like cutting your cut well, down your exit it's a lot options. safer like, to run upstairs if you have a gun yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> well and then like she just turns her back right Rips off her wig, turns her back to Sam. Well, yeah, because yeah. she's like talking to the moon or whatever. She's like, I know that this person is escaped and after a strainer, but I'm going to have a real quick chitter chat to uh, <laughs> to Satan in the moon here, which I guess that's where he comes from. Who knows? Who knew? Well, you know what? Some you got to be above some earthly things like making sure that the person trying to kill you or you're trying to kill is restrained. You know, that's just not transcendental enough. No, no, no. You don't have to worry <laughs> about it. The, those pizza drugs are real potent things. Speaking of the eclipse, though, this this movie's uh, <laughs> pretty unforgivable in how the eclipse is depicted because lunar eclipses, the moon doesn't disappear. It just turns red. They don't. Mm-hmm. It's not like a solar eclipse where the sun is blotted out and you see the corona and you have to look through the glasses like the moon doesn't go away (laughs) so when i was like i was like what and then it's just like it goes completely dark and then it turns bright red i was just like "Mm -mm." so the lunar eclipse is when the earth is directly between the sun and the moon right that's right yes it's the earth shadow on the moon but it turns it red it turns it red because the i'm not i'm sure there's people who could explain it better but i think the sun like catches dust from the the mm. atmosphere of the earth and like okay. refracts it. And so that the light cool. that's reflecting off the moon is red tinged instead of just like white. Well, that's the, that's a Satan color too. Of course. Yeah. Big Satan color. And then like, what, we're red? meant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, in Christianity. Well, and yeah, popular culture. Cause and the devil. hell is hot. Oh, yeah. Red is hot. Okay, here, here's, here's my question to the two of you. So, all right. Obviously, you know, with me having workable hips and, everything i didn't live through the satanic panic so (laughs) kind of throwing this question to the two of you is um as people that have lived through it like how like how like intense or serious was it a thing like i I only know about it like i never lived through it billy's got this one billy's got this one (laughs) okay Luke and I are not that old. <laughs> the Satanic Panic was a product of the late 70s and early 1980s. And then I came along in 1985. Luke, you're a year after me. Or two years two after years. me? You're, yeah, two years. 87. When I remember growing up was not so much like a Satanic cult is going to grab you, but we had a lot of talk about like Stranger Danger 
like that was big where i was like don't talk to strangers don't like accept rides if somebody comes up and asks you to like come with them don't go with them and so i think that like the culture was kind of shifting away from like the you know the religious right scaremongering people with like satanic cults and more just like you know generally being scared of people you don't know not great for community building but Mm -hmm. like that's sort of what i remember so the actual like satanic panic stuff that was all done and dusted by the time i came along was there still like a fear of home invasions of like people just coming in and murdering your family in the middle of the night like obviously like here in in calgary in the 80s i'm sure that was not a thing at all but like you know in terms of Mm. american media it seems like there was a lot of fear of just home invasions right Mm, maybe when i was a kid the dominant evangelical ethos was much more focused on culture and media Mm. than it was on um others like actual sex cults or satanic cults or things like that so i remember my first memories around evangelicalism was like them hating mortal Kombat or <laughs> like a kind of censoriousness around the simpsons so it was it was much more kind of ethereal and uh pop culture related right when i was a kid and actually i would i think incidentally i would submit that's one of the reasons why there was so much good pop culture in the 90s is because a lot of the artistic <laughs> people of that era were rebelling against a kind of really dumb form of authority and censorship. So they were giggling. and The 90s were an extremely irreverent decade for culture. Oh, yes. And I think that's because irreverence is a very, is a thumbing of the nose of the puritanical and evangelical mindset. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'm almost... It was almost like a, a perfect mix of the two, right? Like, get away from the satanic panic. We're going to throw teenagers who like Metallica into prison kind of thing. <laughs> and just go to, like, the focus on the family people who get butt hurt about a sex scene in a movie. Right. Because, mm-hmm. but, have like, in, 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 in 2022, it's a very different type of authority that's monitoring our pop culture it's much more amorphous and comes from a a very like there's still the christian evangelical right element of that but there's a lot of other different groups for a lot of different other reasons that are poo-pooing this movie or that song or Mm -hmm. whatever and so it's a little bit harder i think to be cleverly subversive of one dominant hegemonic group that the 90s was really able to do Mm -hmm. against that stupid version of christianity (laughs) But all of that is to say that, no, I do not remember the satanic panic, because even if it <laughs> persisted a little bit into my literal lifespan, I You're I don't little. have any memories from the 80s. Okay. You know, my earliest memory is like I'm four, which would have been like 91. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I get it. We're old. That was a very long walk and just to... to... Rag on us for being old, Alex. <laughs> no, that was, was a legitimate question. I, I appreciate that every questions. year that goes by, the ratio of our ages gets closer, Alex. So in a very <laughs> mathematical sense, we're closer in age than we ever have been. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. If it, makes, if it makes you feel better, my back hurts every day I wake up. Oh, Alex, I got to That doesn't make me feel better. I don't want you to feel hurt. Yeah. We don't want you to be in pain. <laughs> Just got to stretch more, though. I, stretch. I stretch before sports. Mm-hmm. I yeah. 
drink my fluids. Well, I mean, that, I mean, we're all making fun of the, you know, you, you tease us for being old. That's kind of like our thing because you are so much younger than us. But that actually reminds me of something that I think is worth talking about with Ty West in general is that he seems to have a real fixation on like old people being scary. And I'm thinking of Mm. X with Mm -hmm. Pearl and Howard the couple who are these scary old people. And then in this movie, we have this scary old lady who's wearing like, like her, her, she's got prosthetics on to like, she's like the snow white witch pretty much. huh? Oh my God. Yes. She looks so like, she looks so creepy and like old and like the snow white witch, like you said, but I don't know if she's wearing a mask or what, but, or she's just got a deformation of her like facial features, but like Ty West, buddy. Are you you scared of aging? Like, are we? Is this like part of the zeitgeist of the Gen Did you say X? Scared of Asians? <laughs> aging, aging, oh, not okay. Asians. Sorry, I'm so sorry. No, it's no. Like, I'm sorry that we're scary to you. <laughs> no, no. Hmm. Oh no, no aging. And I wonder if that's just like a zeitgeist of like he's a bit older than we are. I think he's more Gen X than millennial. But like this idea that getting old is a bit scary because it seems like that's something going through. But that, yeah, that that's like a very natural fear, though. Although the villains of Your Next were not old, but that wasn't Ty West. That was he was just in it. He didn't. Oh, have he didn't a, make that movie. He didn't make that one. No, he was mm. just uh, he was just an actor in it. Because I was looking at his credits, mm. and he's just yeah, he's only listed as an actor in town. I'm sure he talked about it with AJ Cooper, mm. or Cooper, whatever his name is, the guy who did. Make so this it. was his third movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. What was before this? The Roost and Trigger Man. Mm. But it seems like pretty much every single movie that he's directed, he is also the writer for. Yeah. He was so, uh he, he was all three. He was a big he was a writer, director, and editor of this movie. Yeah. Mm. Yes. So he he's to blame for the pacing of it. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Ty West, confront your demons with aging. And maybe that's what he's doing. He's just like, here I am. <laughs> aging is going to happen i'm this is my way to like express that in a way that gets it out of my person and you know i externalizes it a little bit but aging is yeah. going to happen it happens every day <laughs> that's right and then yeah the end of this movie let's i kind of am out of things except for the end <laughs> so we should talk about that but poor sam has gotten away she thinks she's escaped and her stomach is cramping and we're meant to believe that there's a antichrist in there so she tries to kill herself shoots herself in the head quite graphically but wouldn't you know it whatever antichrist is in there keeps her going keeps her alive and then the movie ends in a hospital scene where the nurse says you'll be fine and then puts her hand on her stomach and says like you both will and it's just like oh no she's pregnant with a satan ah (laughs) end of movie so what do we think about that just like a one more scare or what? Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't like really a scare, but it's just like the the question that I had when the movie ended after that was like, it was just, oh, I guess this Satan cult movement is very large and organized and dispersed in many different professions around the world. Oh, <laughs> you think it was like a larger network of people yeah. keeping her alive? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I definitely read it more as the power of Satan kept her going. And she's just at a regular hospital and the lady doesn't know, like Mm -hmm. the nurse just like thinks she's pregnant and not she's pregnant. Like Mm. the nurse doesn't know that it's Satan's baby. 
Which is also really depressing because it means that this like uh, baby Satan being born is inevitable because if baby Satan has the power to um, <laughs> reverse a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head, I think well, there's nothing missed, to be done to right? stop. She definitely didn't miss because we saw the whole thing. <laughs> she definitely did not miss. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I will say that not all gunshot wounds are, are, are inevitably fatal. Yeah, to, no. Not, I... not all gunshot wounds to the head are inevitably fatal. Yes. She might have, you know, like the recoil kick might have <laughs> grazed not through the brain. I don't know. Done like a Phineas Gage situation. Are we supposed to assume that the woman pregnant with the devil baby, the reason that the self-inflicted gunshot wound was survived was just the very vanishingly low chance of surviving a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head or because there was a devil baby in her? I honestly, I felt I I was leaning more towards number one. Really? Than Mm. number two. I I did not think ever. It's like, you know what? Satan's in in her uterus. He must have protected her. I didn't actually think that, which now that you two mention it, it's like that actually makes a lot of sense as yeah. well. <laughs> but I actually legitimately, yeah, when that happened, enough. and then she's in the hospital and she survived, sure. and the nurse mm-hmm. is there and they're taking care of her, and you see her head is bandaged. I'm like, oh, okay. maybe she didn't, as a shitty as it is to say, it's like maybe she just didn't do it properly. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's not a 0% chance that you can sur- survive those things because it happens all the time, and like depending on what part of the brain gets hit you know as long as there's just a very confounding variable here or she missed or she scraped it but yeah you know all the important life-sustaining stuff of the brain is all at the back and in like the the spinal column anyway or not the spinal column but like the hind mm-hmm. brain and stuff so all this like front stuff is just just for thinking and feeling <laughs> having ideas that's so, right yeah but uh, yeah my mind was right away i was like oh satan kept her gone Cool. Yeah, I did not think that for a second <laughs> until you two mentioned it, but that actually makes a lot of sense. So yeah, sure. yeah. So it's it ends on a bleak note, which I think is in keeping with our '80s and '70s horror movies, because mm-hmm. of course, you know, if I may unearth the specter of Road Trip Month again, The Hills Have Eyes ends on a real <laughs> proper downer note, where you're like, there is no hope for anybody. There, I there's definitely no blocked that one. movie out of my memory. <laughs> Well, there is a reboot. <laughs> well, it's Actually, probably better. <laughs> well, all right. I honestly don't have anything else to say about this film. So what do you got for final thoughts? Alex Wan. Yeah, it's a very straightforward movie. It's kind of boring, but I can't say I disliked it. But I can't say I loved it either. It was mm-hmm. just like, it's definitely made for a very specific audience, I think. Like, you have yeah. to love the... 80s horror movies you have to be fascinated by the whole satanic panic thing and you have to like a very slow burn Mm -hmm. um but you know i was more entertained than not entertained i would say right i think i always live in hope of having a good satanic panic movie but the problem with that is the actual story around the satanic panic is less like obviously there's no actual supernatural forces there's no satans at work and it's just like people trying to control other people and use scare tactics Mm. or capitalize on a cultural fear for money and so it's like the actual history of satanic panic is more charlatanism and grifting than it is anything tangible so you know Mm. 
it's a well that you can draw from, but the water in it is just just kind of okay. So, yeah, I think I'm just ready to rate this movie and to, uh, to move on with my life. But uh, final thoughts, Luke? Mm, I mean, not yeah. really. Not a terrible <laughs> movie, but pretty boring, pretty predictable. Kind of standard. It's it's too bad because I I don't want to have boring movies. I, I hope... I, I feel like we let you down, Alex. You had that tab open for so long that uh, the payoff. Mm. I mean, it, whether or not it was a good movie or not didn't matter. It was, we finally got to watch it, and now we I did it. Close the tab, right? <laughs> close that ah, tab. There we go. All right. Well, then, we got to do a scariest part before we do all the tab closing. So, what do you got, Alex? Okay. Very obvious, very stupid, but my scariest part is when she looks in the tub. And there's like the screech of the horror music and she gasps and I'm like, oh my God, what's in there? And then it cuts and it's so much hair in this tub. So gross. I hated it. That was my scariest part of the movie. I wanted to know where that hair, like what that was from. Was it meant to I be think from that the was, family? Well, so I guess it's like, like the, what, what was the the lady's name? Vivian? Mrs. Oh. Mrs. Allman. Mrs. Allman, uh, yeah. But like she, she, like when she rips off her wig, you can see like she's bald and stuff, right? But, but she had wig... like real, real thin gray white. Wait, no, hair. no, no. But she had like a black wig, so I'm wondering right. if she bought like a bought like long wig and then actually cut and styled that the wig, so it's like wig uh, hair in sure. the tub. Okay, so yeah, still gross. Is that yeah. very gross? Wig hair is not as gross as real hair, is it? Wig hair can be real hair, Luke. Yeah, but it yeah. not always is. It's not always, but it can be. Just like how you can't always survive a gunshot wound to the head but you can sometimes mm. yeah sometimes satan styles your wig for you <laughs> and leaves the hair behind because he's satan <laughs> right yeah my scariest part was when greta Gerwig got shot in the face meg you know she, i knew something was happening i didn't think it was going to be a full shot to the head that we saw and it was just like oh fuck me that was surprising so mm. that's what i'm picking yeah i i would just say the creepy lady's deformed face was the scariest part, but it wasn't that scary. It was just weird. It's like, oh, you, there's something off about you. Yeah. She just had a lot of like bone buildup around the eyes and nose plate. Mm-hmm. It made me think of like what the witch would have looked like in like a Hansel and Gretel type of. Yeah. Story. There's one, there's one shot of the silhouette of her where I think Sam is on the, um, on tied down to the pentagram and we see the witch like hunched over with the hood and the shadow on the wall. I was like, that looks exactly like how I remember the Snow White witch making the mm-hmm. apple for Snow White. Like Totally. If Ty West tweeted like, hey, I was inspired by Snow White, I'd be like, I believe you. Like a Grimm's fairy tale witch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just a Germanic old lady. Yeah. Making her drink all that blood was really gross, too. It's a lot of, a lot of drinking blood out of a ram's skull. Just no good. Okay. What are we rating it out of? We are going to rate it out of five roofied bargain pizzas five mm. roofied bargain pizzas all righty take it away rbp yeah i've said everything i i want to say about this movie i am glad i we watched it because like it was it w- definitely was not the worst movie we watched and it's another kind of little bit of culture that i've added to my repertoire <laughs> i guess <laughs> but yeah like it's made for a very specific audience i can see the very specific audience really liking this movie, but it's definitely not for everybody with with how slow it is. So uh, I'm going to give it 2.8 roofied bargain pizzas out of five. 2.8. Okay, Luke. It has merit, but it will be... I mean, I already kind of forget what happened. 
just watched it a couple days ago. So Yeah, I watched it yesterday, and I'm like, yeah. Huh? <laughs> so I'll say 1.5 roofied bargain pizzas out of 5. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sadly for me, it's going to be a 2 out of 5 roofied bargain pizzas. And most of those points go to how it looked rather than how it plotted. So sorry, the house of the devil. <laughs> Maybe get your eclipse math right next time. All right, well, let us cheer a thing as we wrap up the episode. What are you cheering, Alex? You uh, Earlier in the recording, you put your hands up like you were cheering something. Was that oh, uh, yeah. the soccer Argentina game? One. Ah, but, yeah, but that won't be my cheer. cheer. No, no, no. <laughs> my cheer is on Tuesday, we went to the Calgary Corporate Challenge Trivia Night. Mm, and fun. it was fun and normally we we like we're one of the charity recipients so we just go to like have fun we're not really trying to compete or anything and this is my fourth year doing it we usually don't do very well like mm-hmm. last year we came second last and this year we tied for 11th or 12th oh, out nice. of 30 teams nice and these are a bunch of corporate nerds that mm-hmm. love trivia hell and yeah i'm sure some of them actually cheat so <laughs> go us Good job. Did you win anything? Was that a prize? No. Was that a prize? We, we, won, we won the pride of uh, not being last or second last. Or awesome. we, we won the pride of being in the upper half. You know? Hell yeah. There upper half, baby. There you go. Nice. My cheer this week is going to be something that I, I know Luke has cheered already, but I don't know. I think, Alex, you might have cheered it as well, but I, taking a break. You watched from... Annihilation? Did not watch Annihilation. <laughs> no, 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 not yet. <laughs> I was looking for something to take my mind off of studying after my exams were wrapping up or before my exams were wrapping up. And so I checked out the Banshees of Inchir and after mm. hearing you talk so highly about it. And yeah, it's just a nothing movie that's really <laughs> good. Like, mm-hmm. but, but it goes in a direction that I could not have predicted in one million years. <laughs> and so I just, and I, you know what, since you, specifically cheered the uh, the movie or you generally cheered the movie i'm going to specifically cheer colin eyebrows upset uh <laughs> colin farrell's upset eyebrow acting because no. oh my god <laughs> he's just got the most expressive eyebrows in the goddamn game that boy <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah so it's a lot of eyebrow work a lot of people being befuddled and it was just yeah so great so i know i'm beating this old drum again but yeah check out banshees of inch here and it's on disney plus if you have disney plus Bingo, bango, you got that one. But what about you, Luke? What are you cheering? Well, I'm cheering something that I haven't done since I was 14, which is read Lord of the Rings. (laughs) What'd you say? (laughs) Nothing? Nothing? (laughs) No, that's something I have been doing since I was 14. Slightly different. The phrasing is a little different. Uh, Of course, of course. Sorry, sorry. It must be a sound. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I had to read the Lord of the... I was I was kind of forced by my mother to read Lord of the Rings all three books before Fellowship of the Ring came out on as the movie. And I haven't read them since. I've obviously seen the movie many 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 times and I'm at I've just I'm halfway through Fellowship. They've just gotten to Rivendell. Mm. And it's amazing how like so many parts are similar, but it's actually very different the movie mm-hmm. and the book. Oh, and we're or and and, we're complaining about the pacing of this movie, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I actually think the movie did the escape from the Shire better than the book did, as far as the mm. plot of it goes. Like, it's, no, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, the pacing of the book is oh terrible. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, and it's it's like a different genre than the movie, the first mm-hmm. half of Fellowship of the Ring, because it's very slow and plotting and like kind of tense at parts. But I think Peter Jackson very intelligently realized that 
<laughs> these you could take like the hints from the book and make it just on warp speed in the movie and that would make it better so mm-hmm. like all of the elements that are in the first half of fellowship of the ring are in the film but just kind of sped up a bit and made more action adventure exciting and mm-hmm. i think that that is way smarter than oh 100 it's such a good adaptation movie. yeah and there's zero tom bombadil so zero <laughs> yeah which is like a little sad because he's a funny yeah. character but i i he really doesn't do like, anything for the plot like it kind of takes them like several months to like realize to leave the shire you know and it's like they don't really even meet the riders until weathertop ever mm-hmm. yeah you know so it was it was just it was it, it made me appreciate the movie more. And not that the book is not good, because it's it's much easier to read a plotting story, I think, in a novel. Who's than the elf? Movie. Like Glo- Glofendil? Yeah, yeah. Glofendil and not not Arwen not, rescues uh, yeah. Frodo from that moment. Anyway. But it's so, so much better that it's Arwen in the movies, because like, if totally. it was Gl- Glofendil, it'd be like, who the fuck is this person that we're never seeing again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, yeah. okay, bye. And I think when the movies came out too, like there was just an understanding of how special Lord of the Rings was to the culture that when I went in to read it again, I thought it was going to be like a little bit more amazing than it is prose wise. Mm. The prose is actually kind of very basic in yeah, uh, yeah what are the cons? <laughs> Good one. That's too many. But not all that being said, it is kind of special to read the source material of such a beloved film again. Mm-hmm. Because it's yeah. been so long. And I'm a different person than I was 21 years ago to kind of ingest all of the Lord of the Rings oeuvre, right? So do you do you read all the songs and poems or do you skip over those? Some of them. Yeah. Some of them Some I of see them. like, ooh, italics, skip. Yeah. It's like Redwall, right? Sometimes yeah. Yeah. you skip over those. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like tonally, like Sam and Pippin and Mary are all more diminutive in the book than they are in the movie. Which, again, is, I think, a smart adaptation of the movie to make them more character-centric. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a good cheer. Lord of the Rings. Who knew it? Yeah. Who <laughs> a knew classic it? of literature for almost a century. <laughs> yeah. 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 All righty then. Well, our birthday month is going to be continuing for the next couple of weeks. And fun fact, next week's episode will come out on my birthday and we will record it on Alex's birthday. So that's very exciting. But before we talk about what we're going to watch, let's do a little bit of credit. So thank you to everybody who listens to the show. Thank you so much. If you would like to support us, do so by rating and reviewing uh, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us. We have a, a a wonderful, delightful listenership who I enjoy talking with on the social medias. And if you'd like to be part of that, Nothing to Fear podcast on Instagram. Recently, the the Twitter has been taken down. I just, I can't, I can't be on Twitter anymore in any capacity. So <laughs> that's gone. But maybe if, if you find me on Macedon, I don't know if you can search people on Macedon. I'm there on Design Billy, I think, at Home Social. I don't know. I don't know how Macedon works yet, mm. but... It's less, there's, you know, less horribleness on that part. Yeah. And you can, if you'd like to support the show a little bit more, you can do so on our Patreon, uh, our our patrons who have kept supporting the show. You're all the best people in the world. Thank you for putting up with me, not putting anything out for a long time and dealing with my school. It is great. And you should be getting your presents in the mail. If you, uh, by the time this comes out, you'll already have them. So hopefully if you haven't got it by yet, message me, nothing to fear podcast anywhere or at gmail.com. And you can also listen to Luke. Luke, what have you got coming out in 2023? All the same. 
<laughs> All the same. You can listen to the other two podcasts, Liberal Soul or Really True Fiction, as well as Full Spectrum Cinema mm-hmm. on Kootenai Co-op Radio. We actually yeah. did our uh, our last episode. We did our top films of 2022. Ah, yes. And my top one was Banshees of, apparently it's pronounced Inishirin. Other Alex yeah. has That's been quite... That's what I said, Ed Sheeran. Other Alex has been quite assiduous in insisting that I pronounce it correctly. <laughs> and actually my number two was the black phone so both movies ah, i saw nice. within like two weeks of <laughs> nice. doing that you know have you seen everywhere so. every, everything everywhere all at once yeah that was an that was an honorable mention my top five and it's you know i haven't seen all that many movies of this year so it could change but it was those two number three was uh prey the predator movie that came oh, out yeah. this year that was a really good film and then the other two, number four was a movie called All the Old Knives, kind of espionage drama with Chris Pine, and I thought it was a really great throwback Cold War-esque type of thriller. And the last one was Bullet Train, the Brad Pitt film. Mm. That movie was, was that really good? fun. It was really oh, cool. fun. It was like a <laughs> Guy Ritchie felt. It, it felt like a Guy Ritchie film. Yeah, in the best way. Yeah, and it, had, it has a really jacked, hilarious Aaron Taylor Johnson in it. Oh, so, very nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, that's Luke's top five films of 2022. So yeah, check that Kootenai mm-hmm. Co-op Radio if you want to hear what other Alex's are, I guess. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of sizzle. <laughs> they are less known. Current current Alex, this Alex, original Alex, What is what else you got going on? Uh, nothing but one song a day, so you can go check that out on Instagram and listen to some tunes. Hell yeah. Well, I won't keep you too much longer. You can go and nurse your hangovers in peace. But next week, <laughs> for next week's episode... You know what? I'm going to I think I'm going to take a movie from a little year called 2022 <laughs> from a little director called Ty West and I think we're going to watch Pearl. So, we're going to keep uh, this Ty West train going because <laughs> I heard it's better than X. So, <laughs> I actually already watched it. Well, so I'm not going to watch it again. I'm going to it's right. going to be like it's going to be like a month long memory. That's fine. It'll be all right. <laughs> All right, but we're going to watch Pearl. We're going to talk all about it, and we'll refresh Luke's memory as we do it. But until then, I'll say goodbye and remind you that they're just movies. There's There's nothing nothing to to fear. fear.